It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, James Rapine. Hey, you can hey, subscribe wait, wait, wait. on I- You're not the host. Who what? brought him on here? On iTunes. What, who, who are what you is guys? this, 2018? Yeah, in Marvin I Trust. You know, James, while you did the Bengals Locked On, they <laughs> were terrible for those two years. Yeah, you're not, you're not lying. <laughs> I, I ended the playoff streak. <laughs> you definitely did. And now... They've got a new era, a new day, Zach Taylor, and everything is is coming up roses. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing it's yeah, I'm hearing it's great at PBS right now. I heard they got a really good defensive coordinator to run the show. He's going to get Vontez perfect back to peak form, and uh, Bengals defense going to be top five next year. That's a hope. (laughs) All Bengals fans everywhere want to see Vontez perfect return to form and stay on the team. At least according to, to Twitter. Oh, do you, man. James, do you cut him right now? Yes. Yep, I'm done with him. Before I, I you even get a coordinator in? Probably, yeah. I mean, I unless the coordinator loves him, but what coordinator are you getting right now that is your first, second, or third choice? Like, they're on their 10th choice right now, so whoever it ends up being, are you really going to give them that kind of power to keep a guy like Perfect on no. the payroll? I, I would cut him in, or, or restructure, which the Bengals never do. So, I, yeah, I would cut him and use that money elsewhere, which the Bengals never do. So, that's that is we, the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Jake. There, <laughs> I, a, I was cutting in, but that's we talked about that yesterday, and we we're going to talk about linebackers today when we're done with you, James. But uh, it can be five and a half million dollars cap space. You could you put that towards a free agent linebacker. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Bengals actually changed their approach in free agency this year? I, I would think that they. They have to at least a little bit. I mean, it, it, there's so many holes that this team has, that, that the roster obviously has. I think the the consensus, and it's it's been interesting since moving to Cleveland, you get an outsider's perspective looking in, and I, I think the majority of uh, just NFL fans in general would look at the Bengals and expect them to finish last in the division this coming season. So if you want to jump that, and I don't necessarily agree, but if you want to speed up uh, and avoid a rebuild, I think you have to get proven players that can help right away. And you, you look at it, Andy Dalton, this is probably his his year to either prove it as far as getting another contract in Cincinnati or not. Um, A.J. Green contract year. So that window 
It appears to be closed. They say it's a new day at PBS. So, yeah, I would think that they have to be active. And if you get it right in free agency, then maybe you can compete for a, uh, a division championship and get back to the playoffs. And there's a vocal part of Twitter that thinks the Bengals are going back to the 90s dark ages kind of stuff with these hires and the inexperience <laughs> on the offensive coordinator. Looks like inexperience, the defensive coordinator, obviously inexperience at head coach. So there's a lot of that going around, too. James, I got to ask, are you still a Bengals fan in Cleveland or is the who is it? Colin Sexton and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Have they stolen all of your attention? I mean, it's my job to cover them. So, yeah, it's uh, they have my attention. The uh, the Indians will certainly have my attention have now with, with spring training. So, yeah, I, I focus them professionally. But absolutely, I still pay attention to the Bengals. I still pay attention to the Reds and, and my Cincinnati teams. I'm from Cincinnati, so that doesn't. That allegiance uh, of 27 plus years doesn't change just because you change area code. So yeah, I absolutely pay attention to the Bengals. And you're right that the inexperience is it's a roll of the dice. It's a roll of the dice. I think a lot of people have been wanting for quite some time, especially after 16 years of Marvin Lewis. But you, in a couple of years, you might look back and say, "Oh well, that we rolled the dice and it, it was not. Uh, it, we did not get what we wanted. That was not the result." So it's. It's an interesting spot, I think, especially since they haven't gotten the staff nailed down and locked in. For as prepared as Zach Taylor reportedly was um, going into that interview, I don't know if it was just the fact that the Rams are good and they went to the Super Bowl and it delayed everything, but they haven't been able to get the staff completed. And, and that's, to me, that's a bad look, you know, just outside looking in. Yeah, and Cleveland obviously is going through a uh, coaching turnover to uh, some sorts, and they go with inexperience at head coach also in Freddie Kitchens, but people feel, I think, uh, much better about that, and especially when you surround him with Todd Monken and Steve Wilkes at the coordinator positions. Are people in Cleveland really excited? They're extremely excited. Uh, and you're right. I, I think the, the key to it, if you would tell me that Zach Taylor's coordinators were Monken and Wilkes, Wilkes obviously coached, uh, was a head coach for a year in, in Arizona, kind of got a raw deal there. You never only want to get a year uh, as a head coach, but that's just how Arizona, uh, they did him wrong, I guess, is, is how I would look at it. But um, yeah, I think that people are excited. And the key with Freddie Kitchens getting the job was Baker Mayfield and, and his relationship and their relationship and how well they performed in, in those eight games, finishing five and three, and, and how well Baker performed in an offense that was, they were throwing the ball to Rashad Perriman. You know, they weren't, it wasn't like they had stars necessarily that they were throwing to. Jarvis Landry's a good player, but, uh, to me, that that's the key is surrounding a young coach that obviously has a rapport in the locker room, a good rapport with talented and veteran coaches that have experience. So maybe the Bengals can do it and, and hopefully they will and hopefully they'll have success. But I get why fans are uneasy and just looking from up, up north here in Cleveland. It's certainly a an interesting process that's happening right now at PBS. So from this point, James, you're talking about a lot of things that the Browns might be doing right. We we have all these question marks around the coaching staff and some roster, many roster spots, frankly, on the Bengals. But what would you do? What would your top three moves be? Let's say the Bengals do spend a little bit in free agency. They've got a new coach. They want to generate some excitement. They want to get the fans back into the stadium. What are your what are your top three go to moves? You want to generate excitement? Well, then I would uh, I would call the Giants. <laughs> I mean, that would be one. And I, hell, I talked about that on the podcast 
what, last year. Whenever there was a rumor that Odell Beckham was potentially available, I would get in that mix. Um, so that would be something, depending on what the asking price is. Now, would I give up the 11th pick? Depends. What's your goal? Is the 11th pick a, a defensive tackle? Is it a defensive end? And I'm sure you, you guys are, are following the draft much closer than I am these days just because it's not, you know, I'm not paid to do so. But looking at it, um, I, if I'm a Bengals fan um, that wants to be excited, and I certainly do, I want interesting. I, and Andy Dalton's not interesting. Zach Taylor might be interesting. He's certainly different than Marvin Lewis. I want Kyler Murray at 11. Now, I don't think he's going to be there at 11. I think he'll get drafted earlier than 11. But that's my guy. And p- people that have uh, listened to this podcast uh, over the years know that I'm about that. I'm about drafting someone to push Andy Dalton or succeed Andy Dalton. So those are the two. I would look at quarterbacks seriously in this draft, and then I would look to to make a splash. I look to bring in a, a star to go along with A.J. Green. Um, and as much as I like John Ross, I think that this offense, it, it's how you win. I mean, look at the, the teams that advanced and made it to the conference championship, advanced and made it to the Super Bowl. You have to have offense. You have to have a lot of it. Um, so Odell Beckham, I would be on the radar there. I would certainly be active in free agency as far as linebackers and things go. Um, but you, the three moves, I, I got you. Cut perfect, look at quarterback in the draft, and, and com- potentially look at, especially given the free agents at wide receiver, look at adding uh, a, someone via trade. You're not going to be able to trade for Antonio Brown, even though I'd be open to it um, because the Steelers would never do that. But uh, I would certainly look at a, a potential Odell Beckham Jr. deal. Maybe you can send the Giants, Andy Dalton, and John Ross for Odell Beckham. What do you think? I would do it. You think even, I, I wonder would, if you I could don't even think get the Giants that, would do it um, just because Ross – like you think the Ross hates bad in Cincinnati. I mean people he, up here think he's a bust. So it's it's crazy how many people look at Ross as a, as a bust. But, yeah, if you're the Giants, what if you, you got Dalton that in a – I don't know, in a third? Would you do that if you're the Bengals? Yeah, I would. I we've debated the value of Andy Dalton a few times this off season already, and and you know just because the rumors are not you know very inflating for what you think his value would be, not you know you see Joe Flacco go for what was it a fourth or fifth mid round pick, yeah. yeah, and what does that mean for Andy Dalton? Does that mean he's a third rounder, and is that worth giving up Dalton for a third rounder? I, for me, I, I like the idea of fresh start and getting a quarterback and hitting the reset button completely. So I would take the third and then try and move up for a Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins. But uh, yes, I have, w- would you, you know, third round pick is, is there was not too long ago. We thought we'd get a second and a third rounder for AJ McCarron. Yeah, I wouldn't do it for a third. And I think he said he'd have more value than that. I think Andy's better than Joe Flacco. And I think Flacco um, might be a slight upgrade from Case Keenum, but, but Andy, for all of his shortcomings and in my blandy nickname I've given him, I think he does have some value across the league. I think Washington is a team naturally that would be interested. He, and he's cheap. Right? You know, he's under contract for the next two years, manageable money. Uh, so it would be a nice bridge. And that's probably why the Bengals won't deal him, is they're going to view it as a bridge. I think that the, the front office and Duke Tobin and, and everyone that, that's calling the shots there at Paul Brown Stadium, I think they're open to taking a quarterback. And it just hasn't worked out i think they are moving forward especially they're going to look at that because they're not going to pay Andy dalton 30 million dollars that is not going to happen they, they know he's not worth that we've seen it over the past couple of years he can't carry a flawed or injured roster um so they're going to have to find someone and, and hopefully kyler murray does fall at 11 and and hopefully they pick him uh because i i think that that's the type of player that one would just be so much fun i mean murray versus baker versus lamar i mean it would, be, it would set up the division 
perfectly down the line, but it would really excite a fan base that uh, that needs it after 16 years of Marvin. I just want to point out that you didn't mention the Steelers and those exciting teams of the AFC North, and I really appreciate that. Well, they're not exciting right now. They have a 40 year old quarterback who can't get along with Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell's gone, and you know it's they're they're good. You know they're going to be right there in the mix in the AFC North, but I don't think long term right now anyone's excited about Mason Rudolph as being a franchise quarterback. So yeah, I just don't think they're in that mix. The Bengals aren't either, but they could get in it with uh, with a good off season and the right moves. And I was going to say, you know, would you be in the mind of we're hitting a total reset and rebuild and this may take two years. Or do you think this, you know, cause if Zach Taylor does hit the ground running and it's not out of the question, there's been plenty of bad hires or at least per, what people perceived as bad hires at the time to get a team back to the playoffs within a year. Uh, how would you view this? Would you view it as a rebuild or could they win? Yeah, I think they can win. Um, in, in when you, you're starting from a point, you know, this isn't, Hugh Jackson coming in and all the 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 Browns players, all, all the veterans getting cut. You know the Carlos Dansby's and, and players like that getting released. This is a team that has plenty of talent. I, I think that there's a, a lot of talent on this roster. You look at young and and veteran talent from AJ Green to Andy Dalton. Um, offensive line needs some work, but you still have Cordy Glenn, who I, I think is a decent left tackle, which is much better than you, you could have said a couple years ago with the way he's starting. Um, Clint Bowling's still there. Uh, and then on, on defense, there's a lot. That, that's what I think was shocking about last season was how bad they were. Um, and it's because the linebacker position just needs to be upgraded. I mean, you have Geno Atkins. You have, you, everyone knows the roster. Right? I don't need to go through it too much. But Jesse Bates, Geno Atkins, all these different guys on that defense on the line in the secondary. I think the key here, and I, I forget what the number is, but move on from perfect potentially move on from Dre. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think next year it's easier to move on from Dre Kirkpatrick, but the money, that's just that's the worst deal the Bengals have made, and they usually make pretty good deals in free agency. Worst deal they've made in quite some time. So free up some of that money and, and use it. And that, to me, that's where you can get creative and you can go after Odell. That's where you can get creative and, and use money in free agency and really take it, take your resources and not – go all, all crazy and spend like the, the Redskins have historically or, or teams like that that are, are just historically bad, but retool your roster and revamp it on the fly. I think they can do that, and I hope that Zach Taylor, when he meets down and sits down and sat down with an interview or for multiple interviews with the Bengals, that was part of what he talked about is retooling the roster. I think Duke Tobin would be open to it. It's just how open is the, the ownership and obviously Mike Brown. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, you've talked, you've touched actually on a lot of the different pieces we've talked about on the podcast and we're talking about today in terms of the amount of money they could spend with, uh, save with Drake Kirkpatrick, with Vontez Perfect, whether they're going to spend in free agency, what that's going to look like. And, and one other interesting possibility, you, you talked about trading for Odell Beckham, and this is something that we've seen teams like the Patriots do, and, and this is the draft pick swap kind of trades. Where you're exchanging draft picks with another team to get a premium piece, avoiding making that splash in free agency, and then later when that player leaves, if that player leaves, you're still getting the draft, the, the compensatory picks, which is something that the Bengals have valued highly in the past. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point, and that's that's something they they should certainly look at. And that that to me, that's where the NFL is now is is moves. Is aggressiveness. I look at the Rams. I look at the Patriots, who have always been aggressive. It, it seems like uh, you heard about 
uh, reports that they were close to an Odell Beckham uh, Jr. deal, and then the Giants got cold feet. Um, but it's not just them. The Eagles over the past couple of years, the Seahawks a couple of years ago, the Broncos a couple of years ago, being aggressive wins. And that's what you see in the NBA uh, at the trade deadline. That's what you're starting to see in the NFL. And that's where the Bengals haven't been. They, they've been draft, build, you know, and, and re-sign your own. That's good. And that's good to have that type of culture. But you need to be able to add pieces. And, and if they're willing to moving forward, I think it would ben- benefit them a lot. James, I'm glad you joined us all the way from Cleveland. You're actually closer to me than you are to Cincinnati now. And maybe we'll get together for a Bengals Browns game in Cleveland. Can you do you have that kind of poll? Can we get free tickets? Free tickets? Look at you. I mean, I just got <laughs> here. I've been here a couple of months. You're asking for free tickets. But you're I haven't James even been Rapine. to a Browns game yet. I haven't even been to a Browns game yet. But yeah, I uh, I need to get to one. It's their stadium. First Energy Stadium's like point two away from my house, so I see it wow. anytime I walk outside. So it's right there. So yeah, we could get to a game. You. At the very minimum, Joe, you have a place to stay. How about that? That's perfect. That saves a lot of money. So you're right near the water then, right near the lake? Yep. Yeah, because yes, I remember sir. the stadiums right there. Whenever I drive down to Cincinnati, we cut through Cleveland. And uh, how do you like Cleveland? Is it all right? Yeah, I like it a lot. Obviously, it's it's winter, so I don't, I'm not spending a ton of time outside. But the, the cold hasn't been much different from Cincinnati. For all the hype I got was that, oh, my God, you're going to freeze and – it hasn't been much different. I walk to work, um, so I'm outside a lot uh, from that perspective. And you just wear, you you know, you bundle up, and, and that's it, and you're good to go. So I, I'm not really uh, worried about that, even though that was a big concern for everybody in Cincinnati. Oh, you're going to freeze up there. Uh, but overall, Cleveland, I think it gets a really bad rap for anybody who's not been here. And I'm not just saying it because I live here. I really feel this way. Uh, there's a lot to do. I'm excited for the summer because I'm right on the water. And uh, it should be fun. So I'll keep you guys updated because I think once summer hits, once it warms up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a unique uh, situation, a, a unique living that, that I haven't experienced before in Cincinnati. Well, we wish you all the best up there, James. Thanks for coming back and joining us. Would you like to do a sign-off for old time's sake? Yeah, I could do that. But um, it, here's the thing. That you need to tell everyone in Cincinnati and, and all the fans to get on the Kyler Murray train. The dude runs like Reggie Bush. And he throws like insert Russell Wilson. So sure. I, I want I want Kyler Murray. Okay, are you guys on board with that? If they take Kyler Murray, I'm high fiving you through the air from seventy no probably two hundred miles away. So uh, yes, I would be excited for that type of rebuild. That's my guy. Go get him. Hopefully he falls to 11, but I I just don't see it happening. That's going to do it for today's podcast, at least my portion. Thank you so much for listening to the Lockdown. Bengals podcast. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership 
and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. So just an update on the Lou and Arumo process. It appears that the interview will be on Thursday, and it sounds like the insiders around the NFL are expecting this to wrap up pretty quickly at that point. For the Bengals, he's really the fourth choice at this point in terms of guys that were offered the job or there was a high level of interest in. The first being Dennis Allen in New Orleans, who didn't take the lateral move. The second one was Todd Grantham, who got a raise at Florida out of his interview with Cincinnati. The third was the OSU assistant, who is going to coach at OSU after signing there just last month. And Lou Anarumo is the fourth. There is a second level of connection in addition to the fact that he worked with Zach Taylor in Miami. Anarumo coached under former defensive backs coach in Cincinnati, Kevin Coyle, who was the defensive coordinator in Miami, and former Bengals linebacker coach Matt Burke, who was also a defensive coordinator in Miami. So there are connections to Cincinnati in addition to connections with Zach Taylor. He shouldn't be very expensive. He's not a guy that very many people are talking about in terms of ascension in the NFL. He is a respected defensive backs coach. He's called plays once when he was the interim defensive coordinator in Miami. We don't really know much about what his defense might look like, but if it looks like those that he coached uh, defensive backs for, it'll probably just be another 4-3. Some people on Twitter were talking about a lot of cover 3. His defense was better his first few years in Miami. His passing defense starting to fall off in terms of total yardage. Total yardage allowed in 2014. Joe, did you learn anything else about Anaruma overnight? No, everything you just said. Only thing I did was kind of um, talk to Bengals fans, see how they felt, and a lot of them I saw a lot of comments of why are we hiring so many of assistants from a poor Dolphins team? And I think that is a fair question. Uh, but that's how the NFL works when you hire who you know and who you've worked with before and who you feel comfortable with. So that's part of it. Uh, I don't think a hire like this is going to um, quiet any of the concerns that Bengals fans have grown over the last you know month, really, at this point. So the early excitement has turned into 
disappointment and concern, and I, I don't think this is going to end it. I just think it's going to end the search for the coordinator, obviously, and we can move forward to the combine and free agency. And I think Bengals fans are ready to get to the combine, and they're ready to move past this long search and just see how the unit performs. And having an idea of what scheme you're running, you know, what his concepts are, what he believes in, if he'll indulge any of that, you know, and that way we can start to target specific players. Because right now we're kind of shooting in the neighborhood, but we'd like to be a little bit more specific on who we think could fit, not only in the draft, but in free agency. Yeah, that's right. We are making a lot of stabs in the dark when it comes to trying to project what to expect from this team in the offseason here. So moving on, uh, Paul Daner Jr. over at the Cincinnati Inquirer has been doing a series this week. We've talked about each day the last couple of days, things that the Bengals should do in the offseason. He's talked about the defense. He's talked about the offense. And today he talks about moves the Bengals should make, quote unquote, behind the scenes. The first two are easy to get behind. The first is reform and bolster the analytics wing. The Bengals have been good with using the sports science and training wing of the analytics game, according to Daner, but haven't really been up on the football data and they don't really have the, the infrastructure in place to make use of the data that even the league provides to all teams, not to mention external sources like Pro Football Focus and the other services out there. Marvin Lewis was quoted in his last Friday session, according to Daner, of his tenure, and he said, with player technology, we're good. Other technology and data, we're probably not where it's going to be. And that's concerning. I think the league is relying more and more on the analytics to help eliminate risk or provide a guide for one to do whatever it is you need to do at the time. Uh, and so I wonder if... You know, I think there's even more to to that. There's a lot of analytics in drafting and eliminating prospects from your board and maybe even highlighting some to go back to. There are analytics that can be used for should we go for it on this fourth and one at the 40-yard line and what's the percentage and, you know, what is what are the odds that the other team is going to take advantage of this field position to score and does it outweigh? So I, I think that might be the uh, infrastructure he, he means of, they don't know how to take that, compile it, and use it properly, which is part of a huge part, actually, of analytics, I think, in today's world is how do we use this? Okay, we have all this information. We have all this data. What does it mean? And we hope the Bengals can figure it out. It's something Brian Callahan talked about at the very least in one of his very early interviews. He said, we're going to come in and we're going to use the analytics. And that was something that we like to see, of course, as a bit of stat head nerd kind of guys. Yeah, especially when it comes to, I think he alluded to uh, throwing and throwing early and trying to push the ball for yards and realizing that's how you get the most yards, most points, most production out of the offense. Uh, but it's not like he's not going to come in and build a run game either, so I don't want you to freak out. Analytics are used as a tool, uh, as, a, as an aid. They're not to be relied on for every decision. That's right. It takes it takes everything. And we talked about this when we started talking about whether pro football focus can replace traditional scouting, which obviously it's it's a tool. It's a piece. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I think the younger generation is probably more open to it and the idea of being led by the numbers and history, because, I mean, when you look at it, it's some of these things compile the last 50 years of football and what has happened on this down and this distance at this score. And you can get a very good sample size of 
what happened and how it resulted. And, you know, there is great value to that. So I think we all hope that they make use of analytics and that that becomes a more integrated part with the Bengals, just their day-to-day operations. That's That goes in with modernization. We've talked about that before on the show. Uh, but the next piece Paul Daner recommends is in line with a more traditional aspect of, of NFL team building, and that's getting Zach Taylor veteran leadership. He talks about since Andrew Whitworth left, it hasn't been such a strong presence on the Bengals team outside of the quarterback's room and Andy Dalton. He mentions that Joe Mixon emerged as a vocal leader toward the end of 2018, making bold proclamations about the future of the franchise. And then he talks about bringing in some veterans and free agency. He mentions Roger Saffold again, the guard from Los Angeles who has some connection to Taylor. And he also mentions Thomas Davis, who I don't know if we've talked about him on air, but we have talked about Thomas Davis as a one-year option at linebacker as well. Yeah, and I think he makes a good point because when you look at the veteran guys on the roster that are getting getting up there in age, um, whether that's Andy Dalton, who's generally a quiet guy, A.J. Green, Geno Atkins, you've got quiet older players that really, I don't know, you know how much of that leadership you need. And you don't have to be a rah-rah type of guy. You lead by example also, but uh, there's definitely nice to have a mayor of the team to speak on behalf of everyone and calm the locker room and make sure everything's going in the right way. Uh, And to add right now, Vontaze Perfect is still under contract. He'd be considered one of them for the defensive side. I think the next group is the group that's 24, 25, 26 years old. Your, your Tyler Boyd's Joe Mixon's your William Jackson and maybe Carl Lawson. And you hope that those guys are, are the ones taking the the lead for the next phase. But yes, getting in some veteran free agents would help with that also. And on the defensive side of the ball, I think Carlos Dunlap is another guy that bears. Yeah. That, that's worth mentioning as a leader on the defensive side of the football. And yeah, you, you know, you want to see the young guys step up. Sean Williams is a guy that could be a leader. Uh, Jesse Bates could be a leader of the future. I, I think you said Carl Lawson as well. So Maybe if Nick Vigil takes a step, he he's another guy that they can look at on the defensive side of the ball. So there's some guys that could step up, but it wouldn't hurt to bring in that veteran that's got the experience, that's been a leader on a team before, uh, just to have that presence in the locker room. Especially somebody that has won before. Uh, even though Andrew Whitworth didn't bring that aspect to the Rams, I think like a Thomas Davis could definitely do that. So we'll see if they make any moves to bring in veteran leadership. It's something that we've kind of rolled our eyes at in the past, I think with some of the signings that they've made because they've had the leadership on the team, but now they don't. Uh, and even on the coaching staff, this kind of segues into Daner's last point, which is make Darren Simmons the assistant head coach. There isn't necessarily the experience and the leadership that you might usually have from an experienced coaching staff. So having that in the locker room as well from the players, somebody to reinforce the message and the culture that these coaches want to implement seems like an important step. And I agree with Paul Daner on that. The last thing yeah. he talks about, sorry, I was just going to say, I don't know how much it matters to have an assistant guy, but most teams have one, and the Bengals have had one in, in years past. A long time it was Paul Alexander, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm for that. You know, I'm not. I wouldn't have any problems with making Darren Simmons the assistant head coach. Yeah, and he, Dana just talks about him as a guy that has the ability to connect with players, to motivate players. Um, there's a reason that he's still around. You know, he's well respected. He understands constructing the back end of a roster for those last guys on the 53 that are going to play special teams. 
He also talks about some of the special teams coordinators that have gone on to been he- to be head coaches in the NFL. John Harbaugh is the most recent. Um, others include Marv Levitt, Le- Marv Levy, Dick Vermeil, Mike Ditka, Bill Cower, and Bill Belichick. Marv Levy, man, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I just yeah. I, I stumbled reading. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> After the break, we'll come back and talk about the next positional group, and that's going to be the linebackers, where there are a lot of questions and potentially a lot of holes. Stick with us. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me, switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get into industries, like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. Welcome back, Bengals fans, to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Continuing our positional review, we're at linebacker now. Probably the biggest need on the team, uh, maybe the the biggest issue on the team for the last four or five years, I, I think most people would agree with the way they've allocated resources in terms of cap space, draft picks, and hanging on to a few veterans a little bit too long. Uh, first on the list is is the guy that's going to garner the most attention, Vontez Perfect. Uh, he'll be 28 years old this year. He accounts for basically all of the Bengals' positional spending at linebacker. And he's really played about 40-something percent of the snaps over the last five years. He's been suspended multiple times for various issues. He has become a detriment to the team and locker room by many accounts and from there the discussion goes to is he worth keeping to try and see if he can rebound to what he was a few years ago or do you just cut him outright use that money and invest in this linebacker unit with some veteran players and that's the big question there's a 6.8 million dollar incentive to cut ties with Vontez perfect and spend that money elsewhere in the linebacker core and the Bengals, like like Joe said, they're spending about half their money at the linebacker position on Vontez Perfect in 2019 in terms of commitments that they have right now. They have $13.7 million committed to linebackers, and that includes Carl Lawson, and a $6.8 million cap savings if they cut Perfect, which essentially halves that number. Then the question becomes, where do you spend that money if you do cut ties with Perfect? And one of the answers is maybe Preston Brown returns, and we'll talk about him in a minute. 
And we talked a lot about free agent linebacker options in terms of guys like Jordan Hicks, uh, Quan Alexander, KJ Wright, even Landon Collins, the safety. And we've talked about Devin White a lot in the draft. Vontaze Perfect, of course, is one of the fav- mo- one of the most favorite linebackers of many Bengals fans of all time. And this is for probably a younger generation that doesn't remember Takeo Spikes. And maybe some people just like him more than Takeo Spikes because Spikes wanted out of Cincinnati. And I know fans hold that against players. But the fact remains that he hasn't been a reliable player in terms of getting onto the field. And last year was a real down year for him, even when he was on the field. Yeah, durability and reliability. Big questions with him. One guy they signed last year to hope, hopefully heal some of that and fix some of those issues was Preston Brown, uh, someone who played 99% of the snaps for the Buffalo Bills in his first four years of his career. And don't you know he's hurt instantly, I believe, week one. He had an interception versus the Colts, uh, hurt his ankle then, played through after missing a couple weeks, played through it, ended up being much worse and ended up on IR. And he's a free agent now at 26 years old. He might be their best, most productive linebacker, but he's limited in terms of athleticism and pass coverage. It was one of the reasons why the Bills elected to move on from Preston Brown. Where are we at with him? Is he an easy guy to re-sign uh, and, and fit into the middle linebacker role? Because I do think middle linebacker was the major issue with run defense. And Hardy Nickerson, we'll get to him, but he was a wild card on every play. Where Preston Brown is more of a reliable inside linebacker but making $5 million, 5.5, I believe it was last year, that seems on the high side, even for a one-year deal. Would he garner that much money again, or would this be a cheap re-signing that could end up working out? And he was a model of health and consistency in Buffalo, and I think that's a big part of where his free agent value came from, is he's a guy who is a very sure tackler, and he was in Cincinnati, to be fair. He was very consistent in his ability to not miss tackles but he is average athletically and that might be generous he's not going to provide anything excellent in coverage or moving sideline to sideline but if there is a discount there because he's no longer that model of health that model of consistency that he was in buffalo if you could get him back for four million a year i mean they paid Vinny ray 3.5 million dollars last year to play special team snaps and play what 150 defensive snaps as a backup so, yeah, if they can get Preston Brown back at, at a reasonable price, I think that makes sense in terms of just a veteran. Again, somebody to solidify the unit, somebody who's going to be, you know, he's a known quantity. Yeah, and I think that's going to be discussed on when they bring up the list of free agent linebackers that they may be interested in. Where do you slate and slide in Preston Brown? And at what point does he become your best option? And I think that could happen fairly quickly for a team that, prioritizes familiarity Um, next on our list is nick vigil maybe the most used linebacker of the past few years when he's on the field and healthy he's out there for 99 percent of their snaps playing sam linebacker moving inside and nickel packages being their best cover guy he just hasn't been able to stay healthy the missed tackles have been an issue and largely he's just not a powerful downhill linebackers so when they go in their nickel packages and he's their inside guy uh they're vulnerable to the run defense and i think people have grown tired of of the missed tackles and missed opportunities for vigil but at the same time i think a large group of fans still see him as somebody that could potentially offer some upside and become a starter out of this unit and i wonder how much of that is just overvaluing the guys on your favorite team that fans tend to do 
but there is some reason to to hold out hope for Nick Vigil. He is, like you said, one of the more athletically gifted players in the Bengals linebacking unit. He has had some steady year-over-year improvements, but tackling is still an issue. He hasn't been able to get on the field much more than Vontez Perfect Since he's been a pro, he's had major injury issues. So there are some reasons to wonder, you know, is Nick Vigil going to be much of a linebacker, you know, much of a staple in the future? Or is it just, you know, you get what you can out of him and then you move on? And we're going into year four with him and he's 26 years old. Um, you know, you got to make decisions. You, you get three years to play and this is who you are for a lot of NFL players by that third year. If this is who he is, then yeah, there's no reason to uh, hold on to him and push him any further. And then you need all three positions at that point. Um, next on our list is Malik Jefferson, right? Do you have, no, I'm sorry. We have Jordan Evans next on the list. Evans, 24 years old, has played sparingly. He's had high upside plays where you see he's an athlete and has a good build and has been much better against the run as, and as a tackler than I expected coming from a wide open Oklahoma um, defense. Surprisingly, he's been worse off in coverage than expected. And I see some of the frustrations from the coaching staff when he makes his mental reps uh, or mental errors on defense and special teams. So I wonder where his upside is at this point. Does he still have one more step he can take? Or is he just going to be a guy that is a spot starter and special teams guy? And and he is a big special teams contributor, and you expect him to be around for that. Uh, Along with Vinny Ray and Malik Jefferson, linebackers will play a lot on special teams for the Bengals. And at least Malik Jackson will be back to reprise that role most likely, unless he takes a mental step forward. We'll talk about him in a bit. Jordan Evans, I think, is more athletic than Nick Vigil. He's the most athletic linebacker they've got. And like you said, he has flashed. Uh, especially in run defense, which you would, like you said, you wouldn't necessarily expect to be his strength given his uh, athletic skill set. But that athleticism hasn't translated into quality coverage in the NFL. And I was going to ask you, and you've kind of answered this question, is that just a mental thing for him? Or is there something else that we've seen that kind of tells us why his athleticism hasn't translated into better coverage? Yeah, there's linebacker is the most instinctive position where your reads and you know the keys that you're looking for happen in such a split second and sometimes you can anticipate them based on alignment based on pre-snap um alignment and i don't think jordan evans gets many of those opportunities or he doesn't exploit them was what i mean you don't see him flash off when you say man you know he really read that correctly and got in there before anyone else there are a few each time though each you know i I think of preseason and there's a lot of plays where he flashes and things are a little more um pared down for offenses and maybe easier to read. So maybe time would help him and get him to the point where he can use his athletic abilities to be an impact player. That would be a best case outcome because then you have a guy that was a late round pick that could be a solid contributor at that position that the Bengals so sorely need. And he's 24 years old. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he doesn't have another step in his development. Um, Next on our list is Vinny Ray, longtime veteran, good guy. Special teamer. He's 31 years old. He's going to be a free agent. What else is there to say than goodbye, Vinny Ray? Yeah, if he if he does come back, if if let's say Darren Simmons gets on the desk and says we need Vinny Ray back to lead my special teams unit, he's he's going to be my veteran leader. I need him for one more year. 
it better not be at three and a half million dollars. He was the third highest paid linebacker on the Bengals in 2018. So if he's back, it, it would have to be closer to a veteran minimum kind of deal for, for what he provides on the defensive side of the football at this point. And I wouldn't mind that. If we're talking he gets $1.5 million to play special teams, that's fine with me. Um, he's always been a valued member there. Uh, but also, at the same time, I think they have drafted and signed undrafted guys lately that could fill those roles or get into that Vinnie Ray role. And next one is Hardy Nickerson, 25 years old. They've liked him on special teams. They liked his mental ability and calling the plays and, and being the guy to get people lined up, even though he doesn't always get to the spot he needs to get to because he's limited in size and athleticism and strength. Uh, he's been a, so far in his short career, a valuable backup, although I hate when he plays. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you see him come on the field, unlike Clayton Fedgelin we were talking about in, in the safety segment where you don't feel so bad about seeing Clayton Fedgelin come on the field. When Hardy Nickerson was out there last year, it was just, he's a punching bag for Bengals fans, and I, and I think deservedly so. He was one of the worst performing linebackers that played last year out of a group that was one of the worst in the NFL. I mean, he's a UDFA. You wouldn't necessarily expect a ton, but he got he was the first linebacker off the bench in a lot of games, and that was a head scratcher for Bengals fans in terms of what is the coaching staff doing. And he he was just he was the guy you could point the finger at for a lot of big plays, a lot of back breaking plays that the Bengals gave up. Yeah, and when that happens, you're going to get a lot of fans against you and and really view you as a limited upside guy because I think fans generally like the underdog, undrafted guy uh, that can be more than he was touted as and Hardy Nickerson has not captured that same enthusiasm from Bengals fans early in his career. Next guy on our list. Real quick, Joe. Did you know that Marvin Lewis coached Hardy Nickerson's dad? Yeah, they tell us every time. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I assume you were joking there. Thanks a lot. Yeah, that's a joke. Number seven on our list is the youngest, probably fastest, and most unknown linebacker after taking him in the third round last year out of Texas, Malik Jefferson. Um, I think the the book is out on him, and it seems fairly accurate after one year that he never became the player he was recruited to be to Texas, and most of it comes down to mental processing and reaction time uh, and coverage ability, which I think most coverage for a linebacker is just understanding route combinations and how they're trying to attack you and how they're trying to put you in conflict. When you watch him at Texas, he was basically spying the quarterback, used as a fourth defensive lineman a lot of times for run fits and blitzes. They didn't put him in coverage. They didn't ask him to do anything crazy. So, of course, when he gets to Cincinnati, with the Bengals not relying on young, unproven players and putting out a risk out on the field, Malik Jefferson ended up with, I believe, 11 snaps all year as a rookie. And for a third-round pick, on a team that needs linebackers, we're sitting here and we have no idea what they have. And that's the criticism with Marvin Lewis. And we need to find out if Malik Jefferson can offer anything. He's been a special teams player and he was a solid contributor there. But this is kind of the year that we kind of have to figure out, is this guy going to play defense or is he just going to be a wasted third round draft pick? And hopefully they can find that out early in the preseason and early in the season in training camp, even because it is a big need and for a new coaching staff coming in that's trying to review film and figure out what they have in all these guys, it's got to be a tough evaluation when there's no tape on Malik Jefferson. Yeah, it makes it really tough. I mean, you're going to have to bring him in 
I, I always said if anyone has a lost year, a completely lost year, you kind of can't count on them moving forward, whether that's injury or for their own reason, and in the case of Malik Jefferson, especially when a new staff comes in because they're going to look at it and say, well, either I had a grade on him or what was his grade in Texas, talking to Duke Tobin maybe, and do we rely on him? Do we let him come in and just win a starting job? Uh, you know, it makes it very hard to to project what he's going to do and how you build up the rest of your roster. At this point, he is a bonus player. You you try to find starters at all those linebacker spots, and if Malik Jefferson turns into anything, then that's great, and you find a way to use him when he's 23 years old the following year. And And I guess you do make a good point there that Duke Tobin is still around. And he can still weigh in on his opinion with Malik Jefferson and how he's progressed. And, and you know, we'll find out what happens pretty quick here, I think. Uh, do you have any comments on these other guys at the back of the roster? Chris Worley, Brandon Bell. No, they've played special teams. Uh, they're in the Vinnie Ray mold. Maybe they turn into one of those type of guys in year two. Uh, but other than that, and I think Brandon Bell will be, go- will be year three, uh, even though it's maybe only one accrued year. But point stands that right now they're bottom of the roster types. You don't worry about them or concern yourself with them. You build this linebacker unit without them in mind. And with that, Bengals fans, we'll sign off for today. Tomorrow's Friday. Mailbag will will go on. You just send us your questions on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, at Jake underscore NFL, or on the Bengals Lockdown Podcast Twitter. And ask us anything you want. It can be football-related, Bengals-related, general NFL-related, or whatever comes to mind. For Jake, I'm Joe, signing off. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.